This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. My name is Bruby Compton. I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve in Western North Carolina in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, we are a summer camp that's focused on connecting children with nature. Um, and I'm so excited to be sharing the, the show today uh, with Luke Durham. Um, he has spent the majority of his life in camping. He began attending Camp Laney, uh, which is an overnight all-boys camp located in Mentone, Alabama in 1995 and has spent a portion of every summer there since. Uh, Originally, he's from Birmingham, Alabama, and Luke graduated from Vanderbilt University in 2005 um, and immediately afterward became the full-time program director at Camp Laney, uh, which is a position he still holds today. So currently, Luke is receiving his master's in education in human development and counseling from his alma mater and is the founder and CEO of Camp Sense, a a consulting and staff training company for summer camps. And he resides in Nashville, Tennessee during the camp off-season with his wife and two dogs. Uh, Luke, did you want to say anything else before we get started? No, that's that's me. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me, though, Ruby. Looking forward to to talking. Super. Uh, and unfortunately, our other two podcast hosts, uh, Gab and Beth, were unavailable today um, for various circumstances. Um, and I know they both wanted to join in on this conversation, but I think we're also really excited to have Luke in on this because our topic today is training at a boys' camp. And uh, none of the three of us have uh, worked <laughs> at boys' camps. We've uh, A couple of us have conducted trainings at boys' camp. Um, but we really wanted to seek out an expert. And so... Um, Luke came to us, and I'm so excited to kind of pick his brain. Um, but first, we just want to address why this topic. Uh, we recognize that there are many consistencies, no matter the kind of camp where you are facilitating training. Um, it's widely accepted that genders do learn differently and act differently when they are in a single gender environment. So one of the questions we've really been asking is, what is different at a boys' camp? And then how do we train our staff to make the most of those differences? Um, so, Luke, I want to start off our discussion today with just the question of, um, you know, we answered this a little bit in your bio, but tell us a little bit more about your camping history. Sure, absolutely. Um, I started going to camp. I went to one of my friends said, hey, you've, you know, I'm in third grade, second or third grade. He's like, you know, you've got to come to this camp. It's awesome. And so 1995, uh, first time I ever went to sleepaway camp um, of any sort, went to Camp Laney. Um, like, like you said, it's an all-boys summer camp about two weeks um, at a time, and I fell in love. Um, it was a place that I was able to be myself and find some things that I was good at and felt you know, at home um, from step one. And so I've been there for this past summer was my 20th, 20th summer at Laney, and I've kind of run the game. It was a camper, a CIT, a junior counselor, counselor, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be the full-time program director since about 2005. Um, and so camp is home. Um, it's also my family. I actually met my wife 
uh, through camp. My boss is actually now my my uncle-in-law. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, 20 summers of kind of all the uh, of all the different aspects of camp. It's been great. Cool. Uh, why do you think parents choose a single gender camp envir- environment? What benefits do you think are seen there? Sure. You know, I think there's a, a couple different reasons. Um, a big thing is that, you know, kids experience so much stress. A lot of their stress comes around from trying to interact or impress with the opposite gender. Um, they don't necessarily have a chance to 100% just kind of let loose, be kids, be themselves um, in an environment where they're kind of thinking about what is this other gender thinking of me or what do they see, um, you know, how am I measuring up? And so, you know, I think it gives them a chance, um, you know, as far as just a couple things like their appearance. They don't have to worry about necessarily what they're wearing or how do I look today or is my hair okay or is this shirt cool? And you're going to see some of that at a single, single-gendered environment anyway. But it allows them to kind of just dress how they want, just be at camp to kind of appear natural and have that go on. Also, their behavior. They can just be, you know, at Laney, they can just be boys. They can go roll in the mud and, and you know, not worry about how they're acting, be silly, be goofy, tell, you know, boy jokes and all this kind of stuff. It just allows them to behave however they want. And also, I think, I think confidence comes from being able to do these things are not, they're always worried. Kids are always worried about failing and how they're going to look to other people and how they're going to measure up. But that intensifies around the opposite gender at that age. They want to seem cool. They want to look the best that they can and being able to have just the ability to fail, which I think camp is such an an environment where that is accepted and kind of welcomed um, to try new things, to do different stuff. But this is a single-gendered environment gives a way where they can do that without this extra level of stress or worry. Um, now, I think overall, though, I think the biggest thing is that no matter what camp, if it's co-ed or if it's single-gendered, the, the kid needs to be on board with that. You know, we don't want to just ship a, ch- a child to camp and be like, all right, this is what you're doing. You know, it's kind of choosing the right camp, making sure that the kid has buy-in, that your future camper has buy-in to whatever environment that may be. So, absolutely. I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, I'm coming from a very biased place, but I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits to the single-gendered camp. Cool. Excellent. Very good. Um, what are some topics that you really stress when conducting training at a, an all-boys camp? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think a lot of the topics are going to be the same sure. um, is you know, a co-ed or, or a girls' camp. But at the same time, you know, for looking at a boys camp, something that I think about is that some, somewhere around 35% of boys grow up in a home where their father's not around or there's not their primary caregiver. And so the biggest thing that we want to stress to our staff, um, especially at an all-male camp, is that you are truly their role models in a lot of cases, that, that dad's not around uh, for whatever circumstance or whatever reason you guys are their role models to what it means to be a real, uh, a good man, a good boy, um, to lead by example. And so, you know, the, the thing that we want to do is, is stress that to our staff first and foremost. And then how you start getting the, the kids to interact with each other. You know, that's the, I think a big difference is how, you know, girls get along and start to interact and start to bond and how boys do. Mm-hmm. You know, girls are going to interact and start to get to know each other by really just talking and finding common interests and likes and like sitting around and kind of 
you know, they're going to play too, but boys really bond by playing and competing. Um, I mean, that's one of the first things that we do with our staff and with our kids is like play right now. Like that's how they get to know each other is, you know, you put them on an athletic in an athletic situation and let them, let them go out there and play. And so a lot of our training is focused on helping these boys get busy and do stuff and be able to start achieving things. Um, one of the great things about our program that I love is that it's not inter-competitive. It's, in, it's, it's in, intra-competitive. You know, we want the kids to be competitive with themselves and try to earn, you know, different patches at the climbing wall or at the archery range or riflery range and so that they can work within themselves to get better. And so we focus a lot on our staff kind of on a broad level of this is how we want you to be role models and this is how we need to get these kids busy and how we keep them that way. Um, you know, I think one thing that our society and, and misses that camp does such a good job of is providing unstructured play. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just our lives, kids' lives these days are so busy, so scheduled. You know, it's about, you know, right after school we've got, you know, some sort of athletic practice or band practice or we've got, you know, church or whatever else there is. It's everything is scheduled. And so providing camp and providing time for these boys to just play mm-hmm. and do that is awesome. And so we want our, we want to encourage our staff to find ways to just, you know, come up with games off the cuff. If we're sitting around after cabin cleanup time, there's not a lot to do, find something to do with them. And then also don't discourage kids who are you know, maybe not out doing some of the traditional activities, let them just come up with games on their own and just play. Um, you know, Michael Thompson talks a lot about that in his work. And sometimes it may take staff just stepping back and saying, like, this may look a little dangerous or may look a little different. Just let them be. Let them play. Um, and so, you know, we want them to really be able to have that Another thing that we try to focus on with working with boys with our staff is that, you know, the boys are really concerned, like I said earlier, about becoming good boys, becoming good men, what that looks like. And so you want to provide challenges, um, but not challenges that are going to stretch them too far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's called scaffolding, being able to give a challenge that's just right above maybe their their level of where they are right now so they, they can achieve that, gain confidence and go from there. And so we try to we try to when we design our program and when we train our staff, say we want the bar to get raised a little bit, but don't raise it too much. You know, you're not going to take an eight year old and move him back to 20 yards on the archery range at first. You're going to let him start at 10 and gradually work his way back so that he can grow um, a little bit by a little bit by seeing some confidence. Um, And so as far as working with the kids, that's kind of a broad perspective of what we try to train our staff and stress to our staff when working with the boys. Another big issue that we've seen lately, and this is more just kind of when working just with the staff, mm-hmm. is how staff can deal with the, with stress management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the world is getting busier and busier. These kids that we bring in to be our staff are college kids who are doing stuff, you know, day in, day out, exams, class, extracurriculars, and sometimes they just don't really know how to take a step back and be able to calm down and, like, how to handle that stress. And you've seen it at camp. It happens just the same at girls' camp is that your staff get overworked. Um, they get tired. They think that these kids have been put there to, you know, pester them personally. You know, they start <laughs> taking the little interactions personally. Sure. So a lot of what we talk about is how, like, 
you can handle that stress, being able to tap out with a, with a co-staff member saying, hey, I just need five minutes, you handle this situation, or how to effectively manage your off time, like what it really means when you're off. Like it's not about, you know, going and driving forever to go see your girlfriend and coming back exhausted. It's about coming back relaxed, refreshed, ready to go, mm-hmm. to borrow some terms from Dr. Thurber. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's about handling that well so that when you come back, that you can truly give 100% to the, the kids that you're taking care of. So that's been a big issue that we've kind of stressed lately is how to handle that. Cool. Uh, so you said a couple of things that um, just reminded me of a few things. So there's a camp here in the area called Camp High Rocks, which is a, another well-known yeah. boys camp. And um, I was talking with their director recently, and he was sharing about how their opening day almost looks like a program day and that the, the kids arrive, and, and especially the return campers, like they drop off their stuff and they jump into activities. So there's a <laughs> basketball game going on. There's Foursquare happening. And so I, I love that idea of you you come into camp and you see camp happening, uh, but it also addresses right what you're saying, that those boundaries get broken down by playing together, right? And so that camper that is new, you know, who's kind of standing on the sidelines, the, tra- the staff have been really well trained to, to look for that child and say, hey, why don't you come join us? Um, and then, you know, the, the parents get to see that happening and they're like, okay, my child's going to have friends and they feel more comfortable. And I just think it's a, a brilliant, brilliant idea um, as far as looking at your opening day. How can you make it more interactive right away, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's our goal is that opening day, you know, these kids have been waiting a year to get to camp. Yeah. I mean, they're excited. Yeah. And you, I mean, it doesn't take two seconds for that car door to open or those feet hit the ground and they're going and, the, you know, they're running and playing. You know, we've got staff. We create kind of that opening day where, like, we've got dodgeball going in the gym. There's a basketball game going. We play um, gaga. We call it pitball. Like, we sure. have activities open everywhere with staff. You know, there's staff at the cabins waiting to greet parents and help them get set up. But there's also staff all around camp kind of waiting yeah. and, you know, and to, to get these kids going. And you're right. We do kind of a, a mock opening day during staff training cool. where we kind of we kind of set up a situation where, you know, one counselor may be helping the parents walk in and, you know, greet them and talk to them and get them settled while there's, you know, a kid just kind of standing off to the side and the, the staff need to know, like, hey, what do I do? How can I interact with him now and get this kid busy and get him going? Because, you know, it, it plays into it plays into helping them integrate into this new world and this new uh, place that they may not have been before. They may not know anybody before. And, man, that goes such a long way into preventing any type of homesickness, too, is getting them integrated with the other boys, get them, getting them playing as quickly as possible. So, um you know, the folks at High Rocks have it right. That's, I mean, that's, that's what you need to do is get them busy as quickly as possible, for sure. Cool. Uh, and you actually segued great into my next question, which is, are there any strategies that you found to be really effective for teaching young men how to help campers cope with homesickness? Yeah. Um, first, hire Chris Thurber. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Chris has been uh, training the Laney staff for 16 years or so. Um, so he's he's a good friend, and obviously he's you know, the foremost expert on dealing with homesickness. So fortunately, um, you know, we've had Chris at our trainings to help deal with the homesick guys. So I've, I've become a homesick disciple under, uh, under Dr. Thurber. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think that, you know, like we were just talking about the first thing, especially for boys, and I think this is a, a universal too, but especially for boys, just how they interact and bond and get to know each other is get them busy. 
you know, um, day one, don't let there be this huge block of free time or, you know, it can be some unstructured play, but have things going on at camp right when they get there. Um, don't make that first day be all these rules and let's sit down and talk about camp and what's going to happen. Yeah, you want to prep them for what's going on and you want to give them some boundaries because that's really healthy. You know, what what rules are in the cabin, what camp-wide rules are so they kind of know their situation and you take away that fear of the unknown. Like, mm -hmm. what's this place going to be like? And, you know, where is the dining hall? Where do I go for this activity? So you want to give them some of that, but you want to get them busy. And you want to get them playing as quickly as possible. And I think in the biggest thing about how to, how to work with the staff, especially at a boys' camp around um, homesick issues, is that boys, there's this, you know, kind of the societal pressure that boys are tough, that mm -hmm. you can deal with it. You know, and so if a kid starts feeling homesick, you don't want to be like, all right, buddy, just toughen up. You know, you can do it. Get out there. Yeah. Um, you want to really validate these feelings and these emotions. And that's not necessarily natural for boys or young men in our society. You know, it's hard sometimes for these staff members, you know, if a kid's sitting off to the side and crying, um, to really know how to be empathetic and really know how to kind of accept those emotions because they're real, you yeah. know, and they need to be validated. They don't need to be shut down. That's just going to make it worse, and it's going to make the kid feel insecure. And, you know, it's going to make this young boy feel like, I don't have anybody here that I can trust that I can rely upon. Mm -hmm. So really validating the emotions, the feelings goes a long way into like creating a bond because then this, this young boy who may be feeling homesick can really trust that staff member and knows that he can go to him even if he is feeling sad. So it's kind of breaking that wall down the societal wall of like, Hey, you know, boys are supposed to be tough. Guys are supposed to be tough and you can just get through it. Just grind your teeth and it'll be okay. And we want, we want our staff. We really talk a lot about validating those feelings and those emotions. And I think that in all camp situations, but especially with boys, it's like do role plays. I mean, that is huge in training staff. Um, it's something that I use a lot in my own practice and I've seen it be really, really valuable at camp because you can talk intellectually a lot of, a lot about these issues and mm -hmm. developmental issues and different things. But if you don't practice it and if you don't see the words, like hear the words come out of your own mouth, you're not going to be as prepared in that situation to do it. So, I mean, we sit down um, when we're doing our home homesickness um, kind of session and during staff training, a large portion of that is, is this is, we're going to do this in a role play. We're going to have one staff member be the homesick kid. We're going to have one kid be the counselor and, and help them walk, work through it. And so we divide them up into pairs, let them do that, and then we bring it together and put some, put some role plays on in front of the whole group and kind of process that interaction. What was good about it? What could be better? What else would you have said? Um, and so we want them to really get the experience of it because, like I said earlier, it's kind of natural for guys just to go, Whoa, I don't, I don't know how to deal with the crying boy over there. That makes me uncomfortable. So like, let's get into it. Let's yeah. find a way to do it and, and work through it. And so, um, it really is important to kind of get them prepped beforehand and to really kind of experience what that situation is going to feel like, because guess what? It's going to happen. Um, and it's probably going to happen that first session and within <laughs> the first couple of days, like you need to be yeah. ready. Um, you know, and I think it's, I think every every homesick situation is different. Every camper is different. You're going to have to use different techniques. Sure. Um, 
And, and that's what's cool. You want to give them as much information about, you know, how to deal with it. Maybe a kid is, it'll be really helpful to draw them a calendar. Maybe it'll be really helpful um, to find some other guys in the cabin that he can hang out with. You know, there's a ton of situations, but really validating the, the feeling and emotion, making them sure that, making sure the kids know that this is normal and it happens. It happened to me, you know, makes them feel um, a lot more comfortable in what they do. Um, and how to integrate into camp. So, Cool, cool. Um, so switching gears a little bit more, um, let's talk about what qualities or skills you look for in your summer leadership staff. So those head counselors, maybe activity supervisors, whatever it is you may call them. What, what are you looking for for those folks? Well, we have uh, at Laney, we have what we call a senior staff, which is made up of about four or five guys that are kind of right underneath the the program director, myself, and the other directors. And they're usually activity heads, but they also have a lot more responsibilities like running night activities, overseeing, you know, the the lower camp area, the younger kids, or the upper camp of the older kids. And so they have a lot of extra responsibilities. And the biggest thing that I look for is because a lot of this, you know, in a lot of camps they bring in, you know, their leadership is cultivated from within. And that's the same thing at Laney. And so the big thing that I want to see is that they want this job is, is truly a desire to have it because when you transition into that leadership role, it's not the same thing as being an, a counselor. You know, these guys want to keep coming back year after year because camp is fun and they get to hang out with kids, but this is different. You know, they are in charge of staff. They are in charge of their peers now. Um, you know, and I want to make sure that they understand what it takes to be a leader at Laney and at a boys camp, you know, that they want that extra responsibility Um, and you know, I've had guys that I've talked to about the possibility of coming on senior staff and kind of outline the responsibilities. And they've just said, you know, I don't know, like, I kind of like just being in a cabin and having this and you're like, okay, you know, like they're being honest and that's great. You know, where they fit every, every person at camp needs to have a clearly defined role. And so that's the biggest thing is kind of this desire for that leadership role, um, that they want to see camp improve. And I think that kind of ties in, too, with, like, they have a real buy-in mm-hmm. to, what the, to what camp is and what camp is about and what the goal is. That camp isn't there for them, but camp is there to serve these children. I mean, being a counselor is, it, I mean, it's a servant position. Um, you're there for these, these kids and yeah. to give them the best experience that they can have. And so I want to, when I talk to interview guys to be a part of our leadership team, I want to hear them say a lot of stuff like, I just want to make camp a better place. And I ask, how could you do that? You know, give me specifics. How is, you know, this summer going to be different from last? And I want to hear them talk about the transition from being a staff member into being, you know, a true, you know, leader at camp. What is, what is that going to look like to you? How are you going to handle these situations differently? How are you going to be able to relate to the staff when there are issues that come up. And so a lot of that is this overarching, just they buy in, they get what camp is about, um, and they want to see it get better. Um, another thing is that, you know, when you're a leader, I want to see you be able to self-start. I want you to have that initiative on your own where you don't need to come to me or another director and say, like, what do I need to do? What, what needs to happen here? I want to see you be able to say, like, Maybe I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to step out and say, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to go ahead and get this part of the program started. I know that 
This is part of my role now. And so I want to see them have some initiative to be able to say like, and when, that's part of the interview process. I say, what can make camp better? What would you do as a part of the leadership that you want to see camp improve? How can we improve on that? And make them give you specifics and, and really talk through that. Um, because I want to see that them start to really blossom out and take roles because that's the point of the leadership team is kind of to make the directors not have to micromanage, you know, we know how busy we are, uh, day to day at camp and we want to see, you know, the leadership team really start to take on some of that. And the biggest thing when I'm doing my leadership training is, you know, you can talk about specifics, you can talk about, you know, the nitty gritty of the job and that's important, obviously, Um, But the thing that I want to hear from the leadership staff is the question, how can I help or what do you need from me right now? Sure. And when you ask that question, it's amazing how much further that that how much smoother camp runs and how many of the little things don't get overlooked. I had a guy last year that I hired um, to be on our senior staff. And Chris, every time he passed me, Luke, what do you need from me right now? How can I help? And, you know, in, you know, 75% of the time I didn't need anything. Um, but the times that I did, it was a huge help not having to go find somebody or, you know, worry about whether this was going to get done. Every time one of those guys passed me, hey, what, what do you need? How can I help? And that's awesome. And that's what you <laughs> want from your leadership, you know, is, is really that willingness to go on and, 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 and do whatever it takes to help camp be better um, and to help make it better for the kids. And so, you know, in kind of addition to all the, you know, the, the tangible qualities that you look for in a leader, you know, honesty, integrity, hardworking, you know, ability to get along and manage conflict, these things, I think the biggest thing is just this, you get a feel, right? Yeah. You get a feel for um, what it takes to be a leader at a camp. And that is, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, kind of let that go, see the big picture, but take care of the details and that comes a lot from understanding the goal of camp, what camp is there for, that it's not about you, that you can take some initiative, do the things that you need to do to make that program run, and just always be willing to help no matter the situation and be, be willing to look at yourself and go, what can I do right now? How can I make camp better right now? And so that's what I want in our leadership team. Cool. Yeah. Um, something you said earlier, and I think it applies to the situation as well, we had a an alumni who wrote a letter to the staff. We do that tradition of, of alums writing letters to the staff, and we read them during staff training. That's um, awesome. One of the, the best lines that we still use every year um, that a, a staff member wrote was, give your campers 10% more responsibility than you, than you think that they can handle, and then watch them handle it. And I think yep. it's definitely true for our leadership staff, too. You know, keep pushing them and and giving them responsibilities, even if you have those moments where you're like, ooh, I don't know exactly how this is going to go, but, but, you know, when you present it to them as, you know, this is something I need you to do and I need you to do it well, it's, it's pretty cool to watch them, you know, exceed every expectation. Um, Absolutely. So what a trickle effect, right? Yeah, exactly. as, As a director, if you're able to do that with your leadership team and kind of, you know, not be that micromanager, say, okay, you know what? They can run this night activity or they can run this portion of the program. I'm going to step back and then you see them handle it. And then they learn to do the same thing and delegate to the to the staff. And then the staff can handle it. And then the staff learns to do that with their kids. Like, hey, 
I can just let them do cabin cleanup on their own, or hey, I can allow them to resolve this problem themselves. Like, how cool is that? I mean, that's that's a top down strategy that works um, at all the camps, especially if you do the training right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and are willing to let go of the responsibility. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> Cool. Um, Luke, can you tell me about a moment that has happened to you at camp where you thought that that right there is the magic of boys camp? Um, how much time? (laughs) I think we can, I think we can talk about, you know, the magic of camp as a whole. I mean, I think that's why that we're, all of us are in this profession that anybody that's listening to this podcast knows that there's something different about camp and how magical it is and what a unique place it is to, to really impact kids, you know, camp as a whole, it, it, it gets rid of all the stuff. It gets rid of all the screens and the distractions and it just shrinks our world to what's really important. And that's interpersonal interactions and interpersonal relationships, how to form that and get along with each other. And so, I mean, there's, there's magic in every little day moments. Um, but when I think about this question and I try to apply it specifically to a boys camp, um, there is a situation that kind of pops out in my mind, uh, first and foremost, and that this was a year we had um, our CITs are our oldest campers. Um, they're 13, 14, and 15. And usually these guys have been coming to camp together for years and years. But this one year, a kid kind of came in new uh, to camp and new to this group. And so he had never been to Laney before. He didn't really know any of the other kids, the other CITs in his group or his cabin. And so he came in kind of an outsider, a little bit different to camp, you know, didn't fit the same mold as some of the other guys necessarily. And to watch this group of CITs, like it's always kind of a red flag when you have somebody come in like that, that's new to kind of an established group of kids. So, you know, you're kind of keeping an eye on it. But to watch these kids kind of accept him and bring him in and like, introduce them to all the little nuances and the traditions of Laney was really cool. But the real magical moment was the last night of camp. We have like this big final game of dodgeball, what we call at camp uh, Bombardi or bombardment. <laughs> and you know, everything's got to, got to be cool and camp specific. Sure, right. Sure. Um, and he was the last guy left for his, for his tribe, for his team and won the game. And he wasn't the most athletic kid, but he won. And, you know, that last game, they all, they, their tribe won the little trophy and they like lifted them up on their shoulders, like <laughs> yeah. carried them out to our closing campfire. Um, and just such a cool experience, such a cool moment. And then after that campfire, we have a, we have a CIT campfire just for the older kids. And we sit down and talk about, you know, what it means to be a leader and what they got out of their experience. And that last night is a lot about reflection and letting these kids, these boys kind of express some of the emotion about this, maybe being their last summer as campers um, and express some of the lessons that they've learned over time. Um, And kind of the antithesis to a lot of, you know, traditional boy stuff, like really experience what this is. And this, this child who just won that game at the campfire, you know, raised his hand to speak and with tears in his eyes talked about, you know, how much it meant to him to be accepted by this group because he wasn't accepted at home. Um, that he doesn't, he didn't know he was scared to come to camp because he thought I may be different or I may be picked on or I may not get along with the guys. And he talked about how special it was for him 
to have friends and how special it was for him to have these memories. Like his confidence, Ruby, just through the roof, you know? So cool. And, you know, after he got done talking, like, you know, 20, 14, 15 year old boys all crying, all hugging <laughs> this kid. Sure. And you're like, this is the best thing that I've ever seen, yeah. you know? And there was nothing that I did. There was nothing, but we just created this environment where these boys were comfortable with being themselves. And we created this space where they could be emotional, where they could really truly be themselves and be happy with it. And to watch this kid, you know, we all come with, all the kids come with different emotional baggage. Sure. You know, they all bring different problems and who, you know, who knew that this kid had that struggle at home, but to come in and see him just grow and be accepted and really to kind of become a hero in that moment, um, you know, was truly remarkable. And I'm not going to mention his name because he'd get mad at me, but he's <laughs> kept coming back, you know, yeah. he's come back and taken on more leadership stuff and has applied to be, you know, a counselor and, you know, to see that, um, yeah, talk about magic. That was really cool. You know, um, my eyes were not dry. In that moment. <laughs> so, um, That's amazing. And, and again, like you said, amazing to have an environment and create an environment where, where that happens. And, and yeah. it's just so cool. So cool. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, if there's a piece of advice that I have to directors out there is like kind of based off that story is, you know, we have so much stuff that we have to do in the office, you know, taking care of registration, talking to parents, you know, the nitty gritty managing the kitchen, you know, the grounds crew, like all of these different things, like don't, don't become that director that's not plugged into camp, walk around, yeah. be involved, know your kids because don't, don't lose those moments, be able to see those moments because we need to be reminded of what we do. And it is creating that environment, um, that is, that is so special for these kids. So, um, you know, be out and involved, know your campers and don't miss those situations. The, the temptation is to stay in the office and focus on the business, <laughs> but the magic is out, out and about on grounds. Cool. Uh, what do you find are some of the challenges, um, that you think may be unique to managing staff at an all boys camp? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of them are universal again. Um, but I think the challenges of managing the boys staff is, kind of this over, like the competitive nature of boys uh, and the overstimulation, you know, camp, we want the kids to play, you know, like we just want them to have fun, you know, and that's, that's the big goal is play, have fun, be yourself. And we want the, the staff to encourage that. Like I've said earlier, we want them to encourage these games and the different playing. Um, and so something that we'll sometimes see with, with boys, you know, in our staff, is kind of the over-involvement in that, um, kind of the over-competitiveness. And so when they're playing, you know, the kids are kind of playing a pickup game of soccer or ultimate Frisbee, you know, we need to tell our staff, like, yeah, we want you playing, but also remember that you're 20-something years old, <laughs> you know, you're 100 pounds, you know, heavier than these kids. Like, be careful. Um, and so we want them to be involved in what the kids are doing, but you need them to be smart about how they're doing it. Um, and that can go too. like, you know, we want these kids to play and you want them to have fun, but like, you don't want to go out there and, you know, beat it. You know, if you're so competitive and have to win, you don't want to go out there and beat a kid, you know, 21, nothing in ping pong, you know, <laughs> like 
step back a little bit. Realize, again, that this isn't about you. Um, we do something during staff training where I do, I do a talk about what it is to buy in, and I give them all poker chips. It's a, it's a really bad analogy, but, you know, I, I deal with it. And I tell them about, like, these poker chips, like, keep them. And that moment where you realize, like, I'm doing this not for me. I'm doing this to help somebody else. And where you really see a change in a kid with something that you've done where you took the back seat. It wasn't about you, but it was about them to, you know, to take the poker chip and kind of put it into a box. Like, I'm bought in here. Cool. Like, I bought into what I do. And we've had a lot of staff members when, you know, and when they put them in the box, I get them to share that at the staff meeting. Hey, what happened? Tell oh, us. Cool. About um, and a lot of it, it's about like, you know, I got myself pulled in to this game or I got myself pulled into this and in where I was becoming over-invested personally. And it wasn't about the kids anymore. And I took a step back and helped the kids just play. Um, and that's, that's really cool. And so, and then I also think you see that kind of in, um, you know, just the interpersonal interactions with kids sure. is, as Bob Ditter says, you know, drop the emotional rope. Um, these kids will throw that emotional rope out there and want to pull you into an argument. Um, and it's learning how to, to drop that um, and, and to not get involved in kind of this verbal tug of war mm-hmm. um, with your kids. And so we see that a little bit with our staff. Um, you know, we want to you know, manage that with their interactions. Um, and the last thing, and I think this is somewhat universal too, is kind of that midsummer burnout or just like I'm there just to do the bare minimum of a job. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, you know, when they, they'll bring in people like me, consultants, staff trainers to kind of that mid season kind of energize, like let's get back on track. Why are we really here type of thing? And so we see that a lot with the guys where they'll just, they're just there to run their activity, yeah. but they're not taking that next step, you know, to really be there with the kids and be there with the boys and help them achieve, you know, once, you know, the, the middle of the summer comes around, like it, it somewhat becomes just like, I just need to manage it. No, that's not what we're here for. You know, we're here for these kids and to help them grow. And so we can, you can kind of see that at a boys camp where the the male staff will just say like, you know, this is what I'm here for. And that's it. You know, mm-hmm. like, no, that's not, um, it's, it's not about just finding ways to make it fun for you and to make it entertaining for you. You know, each time that a new group of campers comes in, whether it's a day camp an overnight camp or anything else, like those boys have been waiting the year too to come to camp. We need to make the same experience as it was, you know, May and June as we, or as we do in late July and August. Yeah. And so I think that's a big thing too. Cool. Um, Luke, do you have any female staff? And if so, how do you create a community that makes them feel comfortable where they may be largely outnumbered? (laughs) Yeah. Um, We don't have any female counselors, um, but the main female staff that we have, um, we have female staff that help run our arts and crafts area. We have female staff that work in the kitchen that help do um, some cleaning around camp. Um, And so there's not a lot. Um, of interaction necessarily between the male staff and the females there or, um, you know, the female staff and the campers. Um, But really it's, you know, it is about just making sure that they know their role Mm -hmm. and talking to them about, hey, what do we want you to do while you're in the craft cabin? And Mm -hmm. so there's not a whole lot of interaction at at Laney uh, between female staff and the kids. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about keeping that dialogue open, too. 
um, to making sure that they do feel comfortable in their job. Um, we do talk to our staff um, during staff training about like, hey, this, you know, here's here's where these people are going to, here are the ladies at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how we treat them here. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's not, that's a line in the sand. That's not to be crossed kind of thing. Um, because, you know, being, you know, we talk about being a laney boy and a lot of that is, you know, being respectful. And it's the same thing when we, we have, um, you know, two dances at the summer with two of our sister camps, which you're familiar with one with, with Riverview. Yeah. Um, and we talk a lot about our boys, you know, the days of those dances, like what it means to be a gentleman and what it means to be respectful and how to handle themselves there. Um, and how to treat the ladies with respect. And so, uh, it plays, it, it plays into camp. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to your question about the single gendered environment. Um, and I think it, you get to see two very opposite ends of the spectrum really quickly. You know, they're just boys and they're nasty and they're muddy and they're gross and they're playing. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, they're all wearing polos and button downs <laughs> and, you know, it smells like axe, uh, axe bomb was set off on camp. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dance. And so it's a transition, like teaching them how to, how to interact, um, well with the ladies at Riverview or Skyline <laughs> for, for laning. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I've seen some really creative solutions to this from, from various camps. Um, but how do you get your male staff and your campers excited about arts and crafts? <laughs> well, one is you kind of heard, um, you know, we have, um, a female come in and lead our craft activity. Um, and our craft activity really only happens during kind of our free times. So our, our program at Laney is designed where we have three free times kind of spread out throughout the day where the boys can kind of choose what they want to do and just have that unstructured play. Um, it doesn't mean unsupervised. Our staff is around and watching um, and have specific responsibilities. But one of the options that they have is to be able to go into the craft cabin and, and get involved and do something there. And so the way that we get um, the kids excited about it is that we take them in there on the first day. Um, our tennis activity is right next to the craft cabin. So the last five minutes of that activity, we bring them in there. And we show them what they can do. So, like, they're aware that it's there, and they kind of get an overview of all the different things they can do throughout the session if they want to go in there and, you know, make a survival bracelet or build, you know, something at the wood shop area or whatever else they want to do. Like, hey, this is what can you can do while you're in here. Um, and it's, it's, it's more popular with our younger kids, just the way that the program is set up at Laney. Um, but you want to get them involved. You want to know that it's there. And you got to have somebody that's excited about doing it. Um, Miss Paula is our craft. Uh, she runs our craft cabin and she's awesome. And she is just, she's fired up and she like gives awards for the boys that have done stuff that come in there and spend a lot of time and like, you know, brings them like snacks and cookies and candy and just gets some, she just loves it. And so I think if you have somebody that, that really enjoys it, it goes a long way. And so, you know, for, for camps out there that have, you know, it's more of an integral part of their program or that they have male staff running it, man, find somebody that's excited about it. You know, and it may be harder. You know, it may take longer in the interview process to find somebody, but it's so worth it just like, every, just like in any other position. Yeah. Um, find somebody that loves what they do. Um, if you find somebody that loves that aspect, it's going to go so much better, you know, you're not going to hire somebody that's never ridden a horse and put them at horseback and say, figure it out. You know, you want to find these 
island, islands of competence where these kids, you know, these people can succeed. So find somebody that's, that loves it, you know, and, and even if it takes longer and more searching to find the right staff member, if you want that program area to work well, that's what it's going to take. My, my lead dance instructor is a guy and he's so phenomenal <laughs> and That's has awesome. just like, he just loves dancing so much. And so this summer during staff training, I needed somebody to, to run a, a dance class during training. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I, you like dancing. Do you think you could do this? He was like, Oh yeah, totally. And just <laughs> revolutionized the activity for the whole, for the whole summer. And That's it was just awesome. so cool to see. And there's this really hilarious photo of him with, all of the campers and they're like ribbon dancing and it's a jump shot, but there's ribbon dancers. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so again, you just got to find the right people. I can't echo that enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean that, that just goes for every position at camp, you know, really take time to understand what, what your staff love and where they're going to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it becomes, you know, somebody who hires I hire and our, our entire staff, you know, there's this crunch where you're worried about like, Hey, am I going to have enough people here? Hey, am I going to have enough people there? And there's this desire just to plug, you know, to say like, let's just put somebody in there to fill that position. Like, no, that's not what makes, what makes the program work well. You got to find somebody that has some passion about it. And, you know, it may be hard to find somebody that's just passionate about being a lifeguard, but like if they're detail oriented, maybe that you can find a position that has more things that work that way. And that they're organized people, they can kind of, you know, um, naturally fit into that role better. Cool. (laughs) So when you are recruiting staff for the summer, how do you entice them to want to be in a single gender environment? Well, fortunately for Lainey, um, is, you know, a lot of our staff is, is kind of cultivated through our leadership program and they keep coming back. Um, and so they just have a natural desire to keep coming back to camp. And then also a lot of our staff come from referrals from past campers or former staff. And so they kind of get to see um, from these guys who have been at Laney for a long time what an experience it really could be um, to come to a place where they're not having to worry about, you know, impressing the females or anything else. Um, and what I talk about is when I talk to our staff, and I really don't get a lot of, you know, hesitation like, and all boys, how do you deal with that? Um, or is that, is that as much fun? Um, I don't see that a lot, but if I do see it, I'm, I just say like, man, it's an opportunity that you don't get, um, in a lot of other times in your life. And it's, you know, it's two and a half, three months, you know, um, it's an experience where I think you'll learn a lot more about yourself, um, in a single gendered environment. Um, you can see a lot of growth happen in our staff, when they're able just to be focused on um, themselves and be themselves even more so. Um, and so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have to do a lot of enticing. And truthfully, I don't want to. Um, you know, again, it goes back to a desire to be a part of that environment and a desire to be a part of that camp. Um, so if they want that, that's great. I, I don't... Unfortunately for Laney, we've been around for a while, so we're you know established. You don't have to do a lot of come on, like we need <laughs> need more people. Um, and so fortunately, it's not. Um, but I think that uh, you really just want to show them the 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 value of what a single gendered environment can do, uh, as much for the kids as as it does for the staff. You know, all the things that we talked about early on apply to the apply to the staff just as much as it does to the kids. 
they get to be themselves and hang out with their buds and hang out with their boys. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, it's in a, you see them bond in different ways that you don't see, um, you know, at colleges or, or high schools or anything else. Like, you know, I think that just, again, speaks to the magic of camp. Um, it creates an environment where relationships are formed faster, deeper, and more long-lasting. Cool. Excellent. Well, Luke, thank you so much for, for sharing your expertise and your advice because you have some great points. And I know Camp Lanny is a phenomenal program, so they're very lucky to have you. Um, so we just want to remind all of our listeners how to get involved with our podcast. You can join us on the hashtag Camp Code. Uh, and please tell us what topics you would like to discuss, uh, any guests that you'd recommend that we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you have to share, uh, because we love hearing from you all. We are all about sharing in this industry. That's one of the things that makes it so great. Um, so please share with us your ideas and, and questions. Um, and also we want to ask that if you found this podcast to be useful, uh, to search for us, uh, for, uh, that's camp code. It's two words on iTunes, uh, or on Stitcher and leave a rating and review for us. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from you and your feedback helps keep the show going. Um, so before we wrap up, um, I just want to let you know how you can get in touch with each of us. So um, you can find out more about where I work at greenriverpreserve.org. We have a blog there that I'm posting to a fair amount during the off-season. Um, I'm also on Twitter at rubylin85 um, and also tweeting for uh, Green River as well. What about you, Luke? How can folks get in touch with you if they want to ask you some questions or follow up with you? Absolutely. So um, to learn more about Camp Laney, just go to www.camplaney.com. Um, same as Ruby posting the blog there a good bit. Um, and then for me, you can get in touch with me at Luke at camplaney.com. And then in January, uh, launching camp Sense's website. So check that out at, uh, hopefully soon at www.campsense.org. Um, so that'll be up and launched soon. And then you can follow me on Twitter as well at, at, uh, Luke underscore camp Cool. Great. So our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training, and we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips. You can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code. But for today, I'm going to turn it over to Luke to share what he finds to be uh, one of his most effective staff training tips for training at a boys camp. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the coolest things that we do and I think is really important um, is kind of a wrap-up to our staff training. Um, you know, I've talked earlier about how important role playing is to really not just learn this stuff intellectually, but to really start putting it into practice. And so one of the things that we do is we set up scenarios. And so we have a, a row of about six cabins. You can kind of do this however you want, but we take our returning staff and put them in one of the cabins and have them with a scenario um, that they're going to, that they're going to enact. And we have uh, we split our new staff up um, with into groups of two or three, and they walk into these cabins, and they have no idea what they're walking into. And the returning staff start playing out the scenario. So it could be a homesick scenario. It could be a bullying scenario. It could be, you know, any type of problem or issue that they're going to run into at this camp and they, at camp during the summer. And so they walk in, they open the door, and boom, they've got a fight right in front of them that they've got to break up and learn how to resolve the conflict 
the right way or they open the door. They, you know, do that and see that and resolve that. They go to the next door and then boom, we've got a kid crying who's homesick. And then you get the next one, you've got a kid that's being bullied. And so it, it takes them and it puts them into a real kind of in the moment situation where they have to put all this stuff into practice that they've talked about and seen and done for the last week. Um, and it's a great way um, for them to kind of get that experience right in the moment and have to deal with the situation that comes up. And they've also got people, you know, returning staff that are kind of behind. They say like, hey, how, how can I do this? If they need a timeout to pause the scenario, they can say, okay, like what's the best way to do this? And we also process it afterward. Say, hey, what did you, how did you feel about this? Could you have done something different? Um, really to kind of take away some teachable moments and to take that, you know, fire hydrant of information that we give our staff during the, you know, the staff training, whether it's a day, a few days or a week, and really kind of bull it down and say, like, let's put this into practice. This is what you're going to see when the kids hit the ground tomorrow. Um, and so that really allows them to, um, you know, get a feel for what it's going to be like and what to expect because the boys are ready and they're coming. <laughs> so you better be ready too. I love that. I love that's a great idea. I'm gonna. I'm already thinking about how I'm gonna do that this summer. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, Luke, for being on the show today, and thank you to all our listeners for listening. And again, please join us on the hashtag Camp Code. Thank you, Ruby. It was great. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast. Please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.